As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Brenner. This is Monday. And if you have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you need somebody to pray with you, just call us 1-800-742-5593. If we don't answer, we'll call you back and we'll pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And remember also that if you need prayer, you can call us at the same number or send us an email at prayer at renner.org. Welcome to Home Group. Paul, Thank welcome you. to Home Group. Joel, welcome to Home Group. Thank you. And I want to ask you, my friends, tell us how you receive the Holy Spirit. If you No, wrong terminology. Oh, I'm so sorry. How you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, we just got a little correction right there. Tell me how you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the comments. We would really like to hear your story. Okay, I got to say something. This is a teaching moment. Paul makes this mistake often also. He says, when did you receive the Holy Spirit? That's wrong terminology, which is regularly used by Pentecostals and Charismatics, and it upsets denominational folks because everybody has the Holy Spirit if you're saved. Everybody. So the question to ask is, when did you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? You can't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit unless you already have the Holy Spirit. You have to be saved to qualify. So I didn't mean to publicly correct you, but what a great moment to teach. And we need to always remember, home group, that verbiage is important. It communicates things. And we need to use right words, right verbiage, right terminology. Wrong terminology messes up people's thinking. And so just important for us to always help each other to use the right phrases and words. Say amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for doing that, for bring correction to us. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's good for us to learn. But really, if you guys would comment in, this, in, in the comment section, tell us your story. I think it's so very interesting to hear different testimonies, how people received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's good. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us tonight. It's an honor to be with you. Home group, welcome. We're so glad to be with you, to come into your home or wherever you are and have this connection with you because it's so important. I really believe this is so important. The Bible says, as we see the day approaching, that we should be together even more. And encourage each other. And encourage one another. And that's why we're together with you and you're with us. We want to be an encouragement to you today. And the day is approaching. Yes, it is. And that's why last week and this week we're talking about signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. And home group, I remind you, I had another plan. This is not what I intended to teach on. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one morning in prayer said, you're doing the wrong thing. You need to be addressing issues that are on people's minds right now. And of course, people are very upset about things that are going on in society in the political realm, in the governmental realm. People are shaken by events that are going on. And people are, of course, asking, where are we prophetically? How much further is this thing going to go? And that's a logical question to ask. Nothing wrong with asking that question. You're going to see today, the disciples were asking the same question when they were privately with Jesus. And if we'll listen, Jesus has answers for us. He'll tell us where we are 
in our prophetic journey. But I want you to have the free download, which you can get at renner.org. Signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. It is 124 pages. Wow. Is that amazing? Amazing. You know what somebody said to me about my last big series in December called Christmas, the rest of the story? They wrote to me on uh, social media, and they said, well, just downloaded your study guide and decided to print it out. It is so huge, the printer ran out of ink. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, these are serious study guides, 124 pages. That's a lot of ink. But my friend, we did it for you. It is for you. And I want to tell you, I prayed for you this morning before I ever got out of bed. When I came into my office today, I sat in my seat and prayed for you. We want the Word of God to go into you. And we're doing our best to put food on the table. And that's what this is. So would you please go to renter.org and download it. It's yours right now. And while you're there, you ought to go ahead and order the whole series because this series, it's really marvelous. We don't skip one thing. You know, some preachers skip over things they don't know how to handle. Well, tonight's going to be an example. We don't skip over everything. Tonight we're going to cover two things which are pretty difficult, but we can't skip it because Jesus said it. And in this series, we deal with it all. And this series is not taught sensationally to scare you. It's really taught to awaken you and to prepare you. And of course, it comes with the accompanying book, Signs We'll See, Just Before Jesus Comes. And we're also offering you my book, Last Day's Survival Guide. If you do not have this book, why not? You need this book. Of course, it's a very substantial book. I was just on Jonathan Burness's TV program. That's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And he said, you know, this is a pretty substantial book. And you know what he said, Denise? He said that he believed it was probably the most substantial book on how to be ready for the last days that he had ever seen. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Did that surprise you, Joel, when he said that? That is such an honor for him to say that. That's just such a blessing. I respect Jonathan so much. But anyway, if you don't have your book, get yours today at runner.org. But let's go back to Matthew 24. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. All right, runners. I wish Philip was here, but he's not. So it's just us four tonight. And tonight we're going to begin again in Matthew 24, verse 3, where the disciples are sitting with Jesus on the Mount of Olives. And they said, tell us when shall these things be? The word when, the Greek word pote means exactly when, precisely when. Lord, we're asking you for concrete information. Tell us when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? The word what, the little Greek word T. They're asking for very explicit information. That word T describes the most minute, minuscule detail. This is as if they said, Lord, we do not want a vague answer. Tell it to us straight. Tell us down to the finest detail. What shall be the sign of thy coming? And in Greek, the sign has a definite article. They were just asking for one sign, but Jesus gave them a big long list that he enumerated in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke chapter 21. Joel? I have a question about the disciples. Yes. Why did they ask this question? Well, because there was a general fascination at that time with the coming of the Messiah and the end of the age. People generally everywhere were asking the same questions. And isn't it interesting that now as we come closer to the coming of Jesus, people are asking the same questions. Mm -hmm. But they said, Lord, what is the sign? And we've seen that that word sign, the Greek word simeon, 
is the word for a road sign that you see when you're traveling along the road. And of course, a road sign is designed to do what, Paul? So inform you, prepare you. Prepare you for what? Prepare you of what's coming. It tells you where you are, tells you how much further you have to go to get to your destination. And so they were really saying, Lord, what will be the road markers? What will be the signs we'll see as we're traveling on the prophetic road to let us know exactly where we are in the prophetic journey and how much further we have to go? Now, in Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus says, No man knows when the Son of Man is coming, not the angels, only the Father. Well, Jesus does not give us a date and a time, but he does give us signs. Everybody say signs. Signs. And those signs are given by God so that we can say, whoops, this is where we are. That's a sign. It's like when Denise and me are driving into Moscow, we're looking for the sign because we want to know how much further we have to go. These signs tell us how close we are, Jesus says, to the end of the world. Well, we've already seen the world's never going to end. It's the Greek word ionis. It means the end of the age. The word end, the Greek word suntileus, the wrap up. Mm-hmm. When's this whole thing going to be wrapped up in this current age? And this means every age has a beginning and every age has a concrete ending and every age gives birth to another age. And when an age ends and it gives birth to another age, it always comes with birth pains. Always, if you study all of history, you find tumultuous things happens when there's a transition between two ages. And when you come to Matthew 24, verse 8, Jesus said all of these things he's describing are the beginning of sorrows, the Greek word uden, which is the word for the contractions that a woman feels as she's getting ready to give birth. And Jesus said many events are going to begin to happen. Now, guys, A lot of these events have been going on for 2,000 years. And some people would say, ah, there's always been wars. There's always been rumors of wars. There's always been pestilence and plagues and uncivil behavior. Yes, there has. But Jesus said toward the end of the age, like contractions, they'll begin to happen one on top of the next. You know, when mom and I were young, these major cataclysmic events that the world now is regularly accustomed to, they didn't happen very often. And when they happened, they were really big news. Today, something cataclysmic can take place, and it's just a barely a beep, just barely a blip on the scale because there are so many of them these days, and people have nearly become numb to it. Isn't that the truth, Denise? That's the truth. And Jesus said, Toward the end of the age, these things will intensify. They'll no longer be sporadic. They'll be regular, very frequent, one on top of the other and the other and the other and the other. As the world is getting ready to end an age and give birth to another age, the next age is called the Great Tribulation. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, I believe you will not be here during the Great Tribulation. Say amen. Amen. But let's look at the signs. So when you come to Matthew 24, 4... Jesus says, take heed that no man deceive you. There you have worldwide deception. Verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. We saw that as deception in the church. Then we saw in verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We covered that. We even saw the word here is important because it describes a nonstop flow of information. Jesus didn't say you'd see all these things. He said, you'll hear 
And here we have this glut of information that we have in this information age when we're being bombarded with news and tweets and posts and social media, information, information, information. Our ears are buzzing with information. This could only happen at the end of the age. Jesus says, be not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Then in verse seven, we've already seen this. Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We've seen all of that. There shall be famines and pestilence. We covered all that last week. And tonight we're going to move on. And in Matthew 24, verse 7, Jesus says, And earthquakes in divers places. Earthquakes in divers places. But when you read these words in Luke 21, 11, it's recorded a little bit differently. It says, And great earthquakes shall be in divers places. And critics say, Great earthquakes? Well, there's really no greater earthquakes today than there have ever been. But the word great in Luke 21, 11 does not necessarily refer to the size of the earthquake, but to the quantities of the earthquakes. So I'm going to read to you from signs you'll see just before Jesus comes. Let's see if Jesus was accurate. The word earthquakes in this verse comes from a word that describes an earthquake or seismic activity. Because it is used in the plural, it emphatically tells us Jesus was predicting a time of prolific seismic activity that will occur at the end of the age. In Luke 21, 11, Jesus used the words great earthquakes. In Greek, the word great means great seismic activity. Well, that changes the whole meaning of that verse. The word used in the original language can depict something large in size, or it can mean something numerous in quantity. And Jesus furthermore said these earthquakes will occur in divers places, which means the earth will be touched globally by increased seismic activity toward the end of the age. He was forecasting what will happen in a condensed period of time at the very end of the era. And according to Jesus, increased seismic activity will take place globally and a vast number of earthquakes will be felt in various places across the earth. And because of new scientific equipment, we know that the numbers of earthquakes are just increasing unbelievably. Data on earthquakes has become accessible in recent decades, allowing the compilation of a more comprehensive global seismic record and extrapolating from the current global record, scientists are able to now say that our planet is in fact experiencing millions of earthquakes annually, annually, millions. That's amazing. And Jesus said there would be great seismic activity as the time of his return approached, we can infer from this verse of scripture that great may mean great quantities or of earthquakes or great seismic activity. Because Jesus was not wrong about anything that he said. He wasn't wrong about anything. But he said something else in Luke 21, 11, that holds a mystery for us. Now, look at what Jesus said. By the way, Paul, can you remember when you and I were in that big earthquake? Oh, yeah. You and I were in California about 5 o'clock in the morning. You and I were sharing a bed together. You were just a little boy. How old were you, Paul? Maybe five? 
probably seven, maybe seven. We're laying in bed, and all of a sudden, I sat straight up in bed because I felt something. But there had not been physically an earthquake yet. But they say that you can feel these things. I sat straight up in bed, looked around the room, wondered why am I awake, and all of a sudden, bam! We were staying at the Roosevelt Hotel on the 10th floor. That earthquake hit. It was across the street from Groman's Chinese Theater. I heard noise out the window. I could hear the metal in the walls bending and making noises as the whole building began to move. And Paul didn't know what was going on. He leaned over to his elbow at me and said, Dad, quit moving the bed. <laughs> and I remember the TV cabinet doors began flying open back and forth, just shaking with the whole building. The TV came on and the news broadcasters were there and they all looked like they just crawled out of bed. Their hair was all messed up and they said, ladies and gentlemen, we've had a terrible earthquake. And you know, the water slushed out of the swimming pool. I mean, it was an amazing event. And when Paul and I looked out the window of Groman's Chinese Theater, part of the facade had fallen into the street and they brought us breakfast finally, and there was another tremor, big, big tremor. And that was a Sunday morning, and Paul and I went to church. That church was jam-packed. It was jam-packed. And I remember the pastor saying, man, we ought to have an earthquake every Sunday. <laughs> People really come to church when there's an earthquake. Well, that was a horrific event. That was a great earthquake. But Jesus really was not talking about the size. He was talking about the quantity, great seismic activity in the earth, just before he comes, Denise? Well, I mean, in Oklahoma, a couple of years ago, maybe it was more than a couple of years ago, I mean, you're not supposed to have earthquakes in Oklahoma. And uh, I was with Rick's mom, precious mom, and, um, and we had just gone to bed. It was about 11-something o'clock, and we're in bed. And it's so weird because things under you start to move. That, that's not supposed to happen. And it takes you by surprise. And you know, Oklahoma now has earthquakes all the time. Oklahoma never had earthquakes. I know. And, I, and mom and I got out of our beds, came into the hallway, said, are you okay? Are you okay? It was a little earthquake. Well, it's happening all over the world, just like Jesus said. But you know what? Romans chapter 8 also says that the earth travails calling out, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God as we get closer to the coming of Jesus and the church rising in power. Oh, the earth is going to be again groaning for it. And that's what we're experiencing. Yes. You're mentioning groaning. And I remember the, the volcano that didn't erupt, but it started billowing so much smoke in Iceland just a few years ago. Oh, it affected world travel. Oh. All of Europe oh. couldn't travel. Oh. No one could cross the ocean. It was it was so amazing. Just wow. one volcano changed all of the people's lives. By the way, seismic activity would include volcanoes, plate tectonics, earthquakes, but we have to move on before time runs out. Luke 21, 11 also says that there will be fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. The words fearful sights, what does it mean? Jesus doesn't tell us, but the Greek word is very insightful. It's the Greek word phobotron. The word phobotron depicts fright, horror, or something that is scary. In fact, ancient Greek writers use this very word only to describe monsters. 
And that's why this word conjures up horrific images. Now, the question is, what in the world was Jesus talking about? Because if you're going to translate this literally, I mean, if you're going to really be honest with the Greek text, fearful sights should be translated monsters, and there will be monsters. At the end of the age, there's going to be monsters. Well, what in the world does that mean? And I'm going to tell you, I don't know, but I can provide a little conjecture. It is monstrous when human beings surgically try to change themselves into something that they're not. You know, people today are becoming mentally modified to accept it. But my friends, it is horrific and it is monstrous what medical science is doing to human beings. They are taking people that are mentally ill and are modifying their bodies to match their mental illness. Now, that is not popular, and it might be that in the days to come, I could get in trouble for saying that. Maybe we can already get in trouble for saying that, but that is a fact. And if you get my book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, the first three chapters are very important for you to read in regard to gender modification. It is monstrous what they are doing. But hey, there's another form of monster today. And I'm going to step on a lot of toes when I say this, but people that are absolutely covering themselves with tattoos, piercing themselves all over, and then they're not happy with that, so they begin to try to transform themselves into living parrots and living lizards, and they try to look like the devil. We are really living in a day of monsters. Monsters. You know, Denise, when we were kids, I I remember when the movie came out called The Bible. And there's a scene in the Bible when the angels come into Sodom and Gomorrah and you see the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and they're so covered with tattoos and it's just so hideous. And when we were kids, they looked like monsters. Well, today monsters are all over the place. Now, I don't know if that's what the Bible's talking about and you may not like that I just said that. But hey, it wasn't so long ago that hardly anybody had tattoos. And now everybody's tattooed and not just tattooed. Now they're trying to transform themselves to look like lizards and animals. Tigers. Tigers, cats. It's monstrous. All of the above could be answers. Or you know what else it could be? Some kind of a modified DNA, science playing with DNA, creating something monstrous. None of that today is beyond the realm of possibility. And Jesus said monstrous things are going to happen. And then he added something else. What in the world did he mean? Let's continue. He continued and said, and great signs shall there be from heaven. The word great, reading from my book, signs you'll see just before Jesus comes, is from the Greek word mega, which means whatever it is, it's going to have a mega impact. It depicts something that has a monumental, far-reaching, deep impact on the earth itself and upon the citizens of the earth. Whatever these great signs are, Jesus says they will appear from heaven. The Greek says from the heavens or from the sky. And it seems that much of the entire human race will be aware of them. And when we see these signs descending from the heavens, we should realize we are on the precipice of something that the world has never encountered before. What is Jesus talking about? Some people say maybe it's a solar flare. Some people say maybe it's a comet. 
Maybe it's an asteroid. Maybe it's a meteor. Maybe it's a missile that is descending. Some say that it's UFOs. But whatever it is, it's going to descend from the heavens. And the word mega, great, tells us it will have a mega impact on the earth and upon the world's population. Everyone will be aware of it when it takes place. Is that amazing, guys? Amazing. We're living in interesting times, and it's going to get more interesting. Hey, we're out of time, but we're going to be back tomorrow night, and we're going to continue. Don't miss tomorrow night. It's going to be good, and sleep well. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it. 